Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions. So give me a call. You can call me to be on the air, or you can connect with me by texting 720-336-0897. That number works around the country, so no matter where you're listening to us, whether it's on the Grace FM radio network, which you would be listening to this live, or the Hope FM network, uh, you'll be listening to this one week delayed or the Truth FM radio network, or a host of other LP FMs around the country. Thank you for joining us. We also have quite a bit of listenership on our podcast, as well as uh, around the world uh, via gracefm.com and other stations. So um, good stuff that Calvary Live is producing. I'm grateful for Kevin and Josh Frank and the team that puts stuff together behind the scenes, uh, Richard, who helps, and a whole host of behind-the-scenes servants and volunteers that help keep things going here on Grace FM. My name is Ed. As I mentioned earlier, I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and this is where our church is where Grace FM and Calvary Live originate, and we are blessed and grateful to provide Grace FM to you, and and I always like to take that opportunity while I can to ask for your donations and your financial support of Grace FM. All you need to do is go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com, and our secure donate section is there, and you can set it all up. You can be a regular one-time donation. You could do it monthly. Um, But every little bit counts, and we encourage you to, if this station has been a blessing to you, as we find we get emails and text messages literally every single day saying how the station has helped. Uh, If you would pray and ask God if he would lead you to support us, that would be fantastic. Uh, Please do that. Um, I know many of you were listening to Grace FM yesterday, and it went off the air uh, for a few hours in the middle of the afternoon. And you're thinking, oh man, what happened? Uh, well, we had scheduled some maintenance uh, on our tower, and we have a problem uh, that we were trying uh, that we are trying to fix. And it's just simple things like that that require you never know. Uh, we have our ongoing financial needs, and then we have these emergency type things and and, you know, if you felt, I don't know how you felt with it being off the air. I don't like it being off the air uh, at all. But uh, we had to take it down uh, for that time. So um, 
go to gracefm.com go to to the web uh, to your app store download the app uh, almost 20,000 downloads i think is uh, where we are uh, for our grace fm app so uh, you can donate through there it's all automatic very easy to use on your phone or your tablet uh, very easy to navigate and you can support grace fm and you can also support the radio broadcast of abounding grace gracefm.com and of course if you're listening to this on a different radio station support local radio local radio uh, so whatever station you're hearing this on uh, please do support your local radio uh, because uh, that keeps your station on the air and then keeps Calvary Live on that station. 303-690-3000, Darius in Commerce City. Darius, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, good, man. What's up? Uh, well, I'm calling, trying to, to find out how that I can truly, truly have a personal relationship with Jesus, to, to truly know okay. Him. I, I know a lot about Jesus and all this stuff, but I don't feel that I have a personal relationship with him, and I want, you know, that intimacy of a personal relationship. Okay, so what brings up the question? Is it something where you've uh, confessed, you've repented of your sins and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord somewhere, and you don't feel anything, or have you never done that before? Uh, I have done that, and, and just it just there, there's just no change. I don't know if I did it in, in doubt or unbelief, or I'm not sure. So how long ago are we talking? Uh, probably about a year and a half ago. Okay, and somebody presented to you the gospel that you have sinned against a holy and a righteous God and a call to turn away from your sins and embrace Jesus who lived, died, and rose again for you? You, you heard that and you responded to that? Right, and I, and I do believe. I believe that, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and... And I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that he was risen from the dead. Okay. But I just want to know how he can truly come into my heart, and is he going to not want to come into my heart? I mean, have, have I sinned so bad that he's not going to want to come in? Those are good questions. So let's start, with, let's start at the beginning, because as you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord right now, uh, right. and just the, fact that you, ju- just the fact that you're asking the question the way that you're asking it tells right. me that you have a relationship with God because you know unbelievers don't care. Right. Uh, they don't they don't really care about sin. They don't really care about whether they're right with God or not. They don't have doubts about these things. They 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 generally folks that don't have a relationship with God generally don't express what you're expressing. So I don't really sense that we need to go through the um, the whole gospel presentation with you again and have you pray and receive the Lord. It sounds like you've done that already. Okay. Um, and 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 I, I'm asking you, would you agree with that? Because if you haven't, I'll walk you through everything and, and and give you that sense to assure again. But have you done that already? I, I have done it. Okay. So you don't need to do it multiple times. And that's okay. one assurance I want to give you. You don't you don't have to even when you're under the heavy weight of conviction, you don't keep getting saved. Um, right. you don't keep being born again. When you when you obeyed God in that moment about a year and a half ago, something spiritual happened to you, and that is you were born again based on what Jesus Christ said would happen. Um, and, and so the, the reality of your relationship with God from the way that you're asking the question, what you shared, sounds pretty, pretty solid. So let's talk about faith for a second, because believing something doesn't necessarily mean that you have uh, different feelings 
uh, that that get associated with that. For example, um, have you ever been to Australia? Uh, no, I've never been. Do you believe Australia exists? I do believe it. I've seen it on TV. Can I talk and you out like of that. it? Yeah, can I talk you out of it? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> what, what, what if I told you that the Earth was flat and that Australia was off the edge of the Earth and it didn't exist? Well, I wouldn't believe that either. <laughs> it's, it's silly. I know. It's silly yeah. because, you know, all of the arguments that I could come up with, uh, Australia, I could come up with all kinds of, you know, websites. I could come up with some uh, conspiracy theory, but you have enough evidence that convinces you, no matter what I say, that if you bought a plane ticket in 14 hours you or 16 hours, you'd probably land in Australia, something like that. Right. Because you, you base that on evidence. You base that on what you've seen. You've based that on what you've read. There's enough witnesses around that can attest. We know people that have been there. And because of the weight of evidence, our faith remains strong. And right. our relationship with God is very similar. Uh, it's, more, it's greater and grander, but it's very similar. And our relationship with God is based on evidence, and it's based on faith. And the evidence is overwhelming that God exists, and the evidence is overwhelming that God exists. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who literally existed in time about 2,000 years ago. He lived and he died and rose again, and he um, now is inviting men and women into relationship through the full forgiveness of sin by his shed blood. So there's enough witnesses. I'm one of them, so I would be a witness in your life. I'm a witness to a personal, life-changing relationship with the living God. And I think there's a part of you that is also a witness. So are you with me so far? Yep. Okay, so with all that in mind, you sound like, from the question, that you're wrestling with the reality of how you feel and some of your behaviors. Yeah, just, just through spiritual warfare and stuff like that, that I just don't understand that if Christ is in my heart, then why why am I going through that and stuff like that through the spiritual battles that oh. that are just so hectic that they just feel like the the spiritual battles coming from within side, and I don't yes. understand that because he's in my heart, right? He he is in your life. You know the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells within you, uh, and the the reality of him taking up residence in your life is very real. Now, how long have you been reading the Bible? Have you been reading it all for a year and a half or so? Yeah, I've been studying for a little bit. Yeah. And I've been okay, memorizing so you, scriptures and stuff like that. Okay, good. So have you uh, have you been introduced yet to a man by the name of Paul the Apostle? Yes. Would you consider him like a giant of the faith? Yes, definitely. You know, God used him to, to write more than half of the New Testament. Uh, he was the first missionary, the first one of the first missionaries, a church planter, uh, a radical... Um, man of God, itinerant preacher. I mean, if if we were to list the top 10 guys in the Bible, humans, um, uh, he would have to be in the top 10. Wouldn't you agree? Right. I would agree. Okay, so here's what he says about his own life. This is a hero of the faith. This is someone that we all look up to, someone that we aspire to have that boldness and that transforming work of spirit, he says. He says, for what I am doing... I do not understand. For what I will to do, I don't practice. But what I hate, that I do. 
If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good, but now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I don't do, but the evil I don't want to do, that I practice. And then he he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So had he had he already received Christ when he was going through all of that? Oh, absolutely. He's writing this letter as a pastor, as a missionary, as a church planter to the the believers in Rome. He was one hundred percent a believer when he wrote this, and and I think maybe there's a um, there's a backwardness to your thinking a little bit because. Uh, now that we talk it out a little bit, it's very clear that you are saved. Uh, it's very uh-huh. clear that you are born again. And then you're facing these these battles, and you're thinking, well, maybe I'm not saved because I'm facing these battles, and maybe I'm not saved because I'm struggling, and maybe I'm not. Maybe I didn't do it right because right. I still see sin in my life. But the reality is, is everything that you just described is actually proof of your salvation. It's actually uh-huh. the evidence of your salvation. And I know I don't know what stream of church church you know what theology um, was used or what what kind of church was used by God to bring you to saving faith, but there is a stream of theology that says you know if you're saved you're never going to experience any problems you're going to be healthy wealthy and wise you're going to be pros- prosperous you're going to drive expensive cars like the pastors do and that's all nonsense that's such a that's such a false teaching the exact opposite. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said this to you and to me. And and so it's good to know that there is a theology in the Bible of suffering. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, look, you're going to face great trial and hardship following me. It is not going to be easy. It is going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. And Paul later would tell young Timothy, he would say, anyone that desires to live a godly life will suffer persecution. And so the things that you're facing um, are real, and they're evidences, actually. They're the exact opposite of what you're thinking and feeling. They're evidences that you're connected to God. Right. It seems like the enemy tries every day to convince me a hundred times over that I'm not saved. <laughs> yeah, and you know, here's the problem. Don't get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you, yeah. here's a big problem. You ready? Yeah. You listen to him way too much. Right, which is a really and, bad and, problem. Which is a problem for all of us, but I, I think you need to know that you you have all the great identifiers. You've identified spiritual warfare. You've identified the accuser of the brethren, the big fat liar, the devil, You've recognized some weaknesses in your own life, some sinful tendencies, but but how you respond to this is actually going to be the biggest part of your spiritual growth. And the the reality of how you respond to this is that you confess. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you you your development of a relationship with Jesus Christ is the same for all of us. Relationships only grow through time and testing, and the testing that you're going through is part of the process. Okay. Thank you very much. 
So here's what I want you to do. Uh, I yeah. want you to email me. Okay. And and I want to. I'll send you a little discipleship packet that will you can print out, and it will help you daily learn about these basic things and how to respond. One of the sections is on spiritual warfare. It's a very biblically balanced approach to spiritual warfare. Okay. And uh, my website or my email is ed at edtaylor.org. O-R-G. Okay, hold on. Let me write it down. I got to write it. I'm painting a house. Okay. I'll write it on a piece of masking tape. Ed Taylor? No problem. Yeah, it's E-D? ed, E-D at okay. ed Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R dot org. T-A-Y-L-O-R? T-A-Y-L-O-R, Taylor. Mm-hmm. T-A-Y-L-O-R, Taylor. Okay. And uh, just say, just remind me, Hey, Ed, uh, you mentioned the discipleship packet, and I'll s- respond to that email with a link. Okay. That's ed at, ed at taylor.org, right? Um, it's ed at edtaylor.org. Ed at edtaylor.org. Okay. I'll, thank you very, very much. Okay, man. Let me pray for you. Can I? Yeah. All right. Let's do that. Father, I pray for my brother that is wrestling with the reality of his life right now, uh, wondering if he's a true believer, uh, wondering what, you know, what, what does that look like in his life? What does it look like to, um, to persevere through difficulties? Uh, what does it look like to persevere through challenges? And I pray you give him wisdom and understanding and revelation of your presence in his life, uh, of your great love for him, of your commitment to be with him, to never leave him or forsake him. I pray, God, that you would give them understanding on how to fight the good fight, how to grow in your um, understanding to hide in you, to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very, very much. Okay, bro. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Wow. All lines are wide open. So give me a call. 303 303- is the area code 690-3000. Um, that will get you on the air. Or you can text me 720-336-0897. We are back in the book of Daniel tonight. Actually, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts in conjunction with the book of Daniel. As we're reminded tonight, being introduced to this King Nebuchadnezzar, this man full of fury and rage that might appear to be outside of the reach of God. And I want to teach us and remind us tonight that no one is beyond the reach of God. And that will be the topic tonight. And I want to encourage you because there's always men and women in our churches that have friends and family that they believe are unreachable or that they've gone too far. Maybe you think you've gone too far. You've done too much. You have blasphemed. You have criticized. You have hurt. You've sinned too much uh, that God would never receive you. And we're going to be looking at that topic tonight uh, and learning from the Bible, from the Bible, uh, what, what power God has in reaching to the uttermost Uh, Here's a question. If angels don't have free will, how was Satan able to go against God? That's a text question. Thanks for texting it in. From what we understand of angels, their free will was given to them to make one choice. 
Uh, They were given a form of free will. They're a different category of created being. They are not human, neither are they divine. They are unique. Angels are a unique category of creation. And from the revelation that we learn of them in the Bible, they were able to make one decision. Uh, And they did, starting with Lucifer, starting with the devil. Uh, His decision was to rebel against God, which led to a choice to be made by the entire angelic angelic realm. They, too, made their one choice. Uh, One-third of the angels chose to follow the devil in his rebellion. Two-thirds chose to remain faithful to God. And it appears that after that one choice, they are no longer given any other choices. Unlike humans that have a whole different ability to make free will choices. And they're going to be able to make choices all the way into eternity. But angels had free will. It's different than humans' free will. It was surrounding one decision. 303-690-3000. Hey, Pastor Ed, another text question. Where does a believer draw the line between loving tolerance and enabling a sinful lifestyle regarding the LGBT community? Well, let's start with this phrase, enabling a sinful lifestyle. Where, Whatever you fall on this topic, uh, enabling a sinful lifestyle is sinful in and of itself. So we want to never enable a sinful lifestyle of any sort. We wouldn't want to enable a sinful lifestyle in a thief. We wouldn't want to enable... Let me give you one that's very common, that isn't so um, inflammatory. Let me ask your question a different way. Ready? Pastor Ed, where does a believer draw the line through loving tolerance enabling and enabling a sinful lifestyle regarding the sin of gossip? which is far more common than the LGBT community. I'll get back to your question. I understand it. Uh, but let me, let me paint a picture for you because we're, we're a little taken aback at because of the LGBT political agenda and uh, the, those that are advocating. We're a little taken aback, but we forget that these are people. So when would we enable a, a sinful lifestyle when it comes to gossip? Well, the answer to that is never. We should never gossip and never participate in gossip, or lying, or thievery, or any kind of sexual sin. Any kind of sexual sin. Any kind of sexual sin. Now, I do understand there's a nuance to your question, and that is, how is it that we can build bridges to a particular subset of the community, of our society, that's actively engaged in noticeable sexual sin? And... You know, we, 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 Jesus died for the sins uh, of, L, of the LGBT community. That, partic- that sin and every other sin they commit, just as he died for our sins and every other sin that we committed. And I believe that we want to remember that we're dealing with human beings. I believe that we want to remember that Jesus encouraged us to infiltrate this world, not isolate ourselves. I believe that the Bible teaches us through Paul. He says, hey, I didn't ask you not to keep company with sex, sexually immoral people to, that, for you to leave the world. You, know, you, know, you, you can't leave the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Jesus said, I'm leaving you in the world. He left us in the world to 
navigate with people that don't know Jesus Christ. I think back to my own life before I was saved. I was, I was really bad, <clears throat> and my sins were ever before me, and everyone else that loved me. And there was a there was a necessity to there was a necessity for people to reach out to me, and so we want to be loving. We want to cre- have friendships. We want to connect. And and the line is clear. We're not to enable a sinful lifestyle of any sort at all. And at the same time, recognize that there's a person behind the sin. Like we get all flipped out about sin, but we forget there's a person behind it. And if we remember there's a person behind it, it will help us and, and be open to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was, remember Jesus had a, a woman that was caught in the midst of adultery thrown right in front of him. How did he handle her? With love grace, care, and truth. And they were all intertwined. I think today Christians are yelling and screaming so loud the truth that nobody will sense the love or grace. And remember, Jesus came in grace and truth. Grace comes first. All right, let's go to line two. Josh is calling from Thornton, Colorado. Josh, welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going, man? It's going great. What's going on? Nothing. I just had a question uh, regarding Satan, and um, it was really in in regards to his power. Um, does can okay. Satan tune into our to our thoughts? No. Or no. Okay. No, he can't get into our head by dwelling us or indwelling us or trying getting into our thoughts inside of our head. He cannot do that. Okay. Yeah. Because I know I know God gave him certain. Uh, you know, how do I? How would I say it? Like, a certain powers that that he has over people, and and that's if if we give him authority, you know, he can rule over our lives in, in certain aspects. But just my my question was, if he had you know control over our like, if he he could tune into our thoughts and hear our thoughts. But well, that, just, that gives just, me a I lot. want you to emphasize that. I want you to I want you to think of what you just said here and make sure you emphasize the right part of it. You said if we give him authority, he could rule over us. Well, the Bible says that that to to whoever we give, Jesus says, um, if you choose to be a slave to sin, then you are a slave to sin. That's your ruler. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't get out of it. It doesn't mean that he, so when you submit, when you say you give authority to the devil, like he doesn't have any more authority than you give him, right? Like in this conversation, you're quiet right now because you let me have my turn to talk, but you could talk anytime you want. You could break that if you'd like. So don't don't think of the devil having absolute authority over you, or if you give him authority, he can rule over you. You're just choosing to submit to him, and all you need to do is choose to submit to God, and the devil will flee. The Bible says submit to God, and the devil will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That, that gives me a lot of assurance. Cause, I mean, I, I, I just really have—my question was if he had power over— to, to tune into our thoughts, but I, I would never, you know, give authority to to Satan. Yeah, you know, we well, we should we're all called to live holy lives and to follow Christ Jesus only, and you know that's really my only desire to do. Yes, but it was yeah, really a question that one, one of my friends had, and I just want I just want a clarification. Yeah, I mean, unbelievers are in a different category, right? Because mm-hmm. unbelievers um, are not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and. And so, therefore, they can be indwelt by the devil. They can be indwelt by and and cooperate and um, be overrun by uh, the devil. But you and I are in a different category because the Holy Spirit has sealed us, and he indwells in us, 
and light and darkness cannot coexist. Yeah, that's really all my only question I really had. And I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I thank you for, for giving me clarification. You're welcome. That's a great question. Thanks for asking it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we're coming up on the end of the first half already. I mean, it just goes by so quickly. Uh, we do have an open line. We're going to get back after the break. I believe we have, I think it's Annette. She'll be she'll be next, and then we have a couple open lines. So give me a call. 303-690-3000, wherever you are in the country. I would love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. And this is Calvary Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and questions here today. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church, Aurora Colorado, part of the Calvary Chapel family of churches, and that's where I was saved. I was saved in a Calvary Chapel in Downey, California, a very close nearby where I grew up, and was invited to church by a friend. You know, I don't know the statistics, but the numbers are high, extremely high, that most people attend a church because they were invited. Uh, the same is true for a, like a crusade event. People come to crusade events because they were invited. And I would encourage you, invite people to your church. Invite people to listen to the radio. Invite, if your pastor's on the radio, invite people to listen to your pastor. There is power in the systematic teaching of God's Word. And I'd encourage you to do it. I was invited by a friend, wanted nothing to do with church. Nothing. I don't know how I could overemphasize the word nothing. I did not have any knowledge or desire to go to church. But the, my, my friend invited me anyway. And I went. And here I am, thir- 28 years later, uh, pastoring a church. That's like, are you crazy? That's, that's out of this world. Who knows who the next person, like what God has in store. But we don't, people don't come, people don't invite. They don't talk about God anymore. We talk about the Broncos, talk about the Rockies, talk about the Dodgers. Um, but the most important person on the planet Earth, Jesus Christ, we need to be talking about him. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. And we at Calvary, we, we print out by the thousands. Uh, we Micah just put together a new invite card. We're going to have new invite cards where we just keep giving them out by the thousands. And whether someone shows up in our church or someone shows up in a local church that preaches the gospel makes no difference to us. We just want people to get saved. We want people to be right with God. We want lives to be changed. We want neighborhoods to be turned upside down. We, we desire to be a blessing to the kingdom of God, not just to our local church. Even though if, they, if you choose to come to our church, we'll love you. We'll sing together. We'll preach the gospel to you. We'll invite you to receive Jesus Christ. Uh, We'll love on you, encourage you, disciple you. But we want 
we want we want to be a part of the, what God's doing in the kingdom, not just in our little city here. So it's kind of cool. 303-690-3000 is the number. Hey, uh, let me go real quick before I get to Annette. If, is it God's desire to reconcile with your spouse? Yes. In the middle of a separation? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, as I've been sharing, I just heard Gino Geraci, uh, my friend from uh, Littleton here in Colorado, uh, say it too. It only takes one person to forgive, but it takes two people to reconcile. And remember, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation because reconciliation requires repentance. It's such I, I'm, I don't understand. People, they, they want to continue in their sinful ways and then blame you for the lack of reconciliation. Forget that noise. That's not from the Lord. That's not biblical. Uh, without repentance, don't even think about reconciliation. Without humble, you know, and the problem is, is that you get built up. I was talking to a brother about that today. You build up such a great wall of pride, you won't even admit you're wrong. And so reconciliation requires repentance. And you can't go five, six years sinning, 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 and they go, well, you know, the other person, they don't want to re- reconcile. <laughs> Repent. Why don't you change and humble yourself? And rise to the occasion and admit your sin. That's the only way you're going to reconcile with your spouse. You have to admit you've sinned. And it is God's will to reconcile. He, that could, the Bible couldn't be clear. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Okay, Annette has been so patient, so we're going to go to line one. Annette, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Red. How are you? I'm good, Annette. What's going on? Um, I had a question mostly about forgiveness. Um, okay. Because I actually go to Calvary, and I All listen right. to your sermon almost every week. Um, so I've heard a lot about forgiveness, but yes. Um, I was wondering how much time do I have? before God almost, like, really puts it on me to forgive someone? Because I haven't yet. Well, I think that God puts it on us immediately. And Mm -hmm. remember Jesus, when he was speaking to Peter, Peter was a little overwhelmed by this sense of forgiveness. And Mm -hmm. the response from Jesus when... Peter was wrestling with forgiveness is that we're to forgive 70 times seven, you know, where the, the mm-hmm. emphasis on us is on us to forgive. But like I mentioned earlier, forgiveness is often confused with reconciliation. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is often confused with approval for sin. And, and when you choose to forgive, you are not approving of the other person's sin. When you choose to forgive, you're releasing them from the debt that they owe you. But until they have a substantive change, you're not going to see a relationship rebuilt. Right. And And I understand that it doesn't matter who the person is. Like, it could be someone who, you know, tried to hurt you, or it could even just be, like, your brother who's getting on your nerves. But (laughs) what what if it's somebody that, like, he he just did really 
really bad stuff, and he's he's scarred me. Well, you know, there are challenging parts to forgiveness, and I, I like how, for the sake of people listening, how you made that contrast between something that's super, that seems super easy, like an annoying brother, compared to someone who's really deeply wounded and hurt you. And, you know, the answer's easy. The application's more difficult. You know, the answer's yeah. easy. The answer is, is that if you don't choose to forgive this person that's wounded you deeply— then you're going to remain in prison. You're going to be the one hurting. You're going to be the one. And like I said earlier, when you choose to forgive, you're releasing this person from the debt. You're not approving of his wounding ways. Neither are you to be put into an abusive situation. Neither are you to ever, uh, because you have extended forgiveness, that it, it, if the person's response is, well, let's just forget it and let's move on, or the person says, I never did that, or it's all your fault, like you don't have to play any of those games. Um, you, are, you are simply obeying God, and you're looking at this situation and saying, I will not hold this against you any longer. And the yeah. best case scenario would be that this person acknowledges how badly they hurt you, and they, they not only acknowledge that but ask for your forgiveness and even try to give restitution in some way you know something where there's true evidence of brokenness but even if there's not true evidence of brokenness by you releasing them you're going to be released right and well two things um he he's gone i don't know where he is he left without me being able to say anything okay. so I really don't have any way to contact him because I really would like closure you know like just ending things and saying like I'm working toward forgiving you but um, I don't have a way to do that but it just doesn't feel um, like it doesn't feel like I can't persuade myself that it's the real thing when I just do it in my heart well, because of the limitations that you have in reaching out to this person and connecting with this person, I don't. I think that it's not even persuading yourself. It's simply accepting the facts. You're doing the best yeah. that you can with what you have, and that's all yeah. you can do. You know, for example, like like if you were if you and I were running track and field, and you tried to do the high jump at six feet, and you just couldn't do it. Like you just kept failing, right? You kept tripping. Uh, you could mm-hmm. do two feet, but you couldn't do six feet. And would you walk away going, man, I just can't persuade myself that I can't jump six feet. I doubt that you would do that. I, I know it's silly, but I want it to be silly for the sake of, you know, of course not. I would just walk away and say, I can't jump six feet. I'm, I'm four yeah, feet tall. Like I'll never I jump six that. feet. And that, and I think that in a much heavier way, when you're looking at this particular situation, it's not even persuading yourself as much as it is accepting the facts as they are. And this this Mm -hmm. is the way it is, and I'm going to do the best that I can with what I have in obeying God, and I'm not going to let the things that are outside of my control hinder me from my relationship with God. You know, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for a long time, and I have a situation in my life where um, I've extended forgiveness and I've released, and the the other side is just 
not cooperative at all. They're actually trying to make things worse in a variety of different ways. Well, that is not going to hinder me in my relationship with God. That's their problem. That's not my problem. Right. Um, even though in the beginning, I kind of felt like it was my problem, and I, I kind of felt like, man, I got to do... But you know, uh, God has given me clarity of eyes that if they're going to continue to play games, then they're going to play games by themselves. I will not participate. Mm-hmm. And I'm not jumping in. I'm gonna, my walk is with the Lord. I have a clean conscience. And as soon as there's true repentance, then there could be a pathway for reconciliation. But until then, I can't. And you're in a very similar place, except that you don't even know where the person is. And you're like, okay, that's the way it is. Um, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life looking for him. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life like, okay, this is my situation. And God, you, you know my situation. And this is where I'm at. And I'm asking you to meet me where I'm at so that I can move forward with my life. Yeah. But another thing is that some of my friends, even some of my Christian friends or Mormon friends, they tell me that I shouldn't forgive him. Well, that's bad advice. That's not biblical advice. That's what I thought. And it's, but, but, but I, so, so here's the thing. So that's a really good, I'm glad that you shared that. So there's a f- couple things I want to lay out for you that are important to grasp. You mm-hmm. know, I believe the people giving you advice probably care about you a lot. They do. Uh, they probably see the pain in your eyes. They probably, you you may have shared a few of the details with them. And so they may be just as mad as you are or just as hurt as you are. And you're learning at a very young age that people can be absolutely loving and caring and 100% wrong. Yeah. You know, or like what I like to say, everybody has an opinion, but only God's opinion matters. And remember, the Bible places a high price, a high value on forgiveness. Um, Matter of fact... In some places, remember, the Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Can you imagine yeah. that? No. It's a pretty heavy thing to consider. I can't imagine that, but it is true. Like, God, is, God has placed such a high value on forgiveness that um, he says, look, um, I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. And you're like, okay, okay, I could do that. And then the question is, well, how have you been forgiven? <laughs> and... And I look back at my life, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, I have been forgiven much. Mm. Right. And I, and, and I think one, one, of these, one, one of these, this situation is, is another piece, uh, one more piece of your relationship with these friends now, first of all, any anybody that adheres to the Mormon faith isn't going to give you good biblical advice, so you want to be careful with them. Um, they they subscribe to a different Jesus and hold to a different book other than the Bible. Um, yeah. And even Christians sometimes can be a little immature and not really understand the Bible and give advice that's more worldly than godly. And then even I can, I've been doing this for a long time, but even I can give bad advice. And if I gave bad advice, everything I share should be matched by the Word of God. And wherever I'm mm. wrong, you should always choose the Bible and not me. Um, and, right. and yet, 
when it comes to forgiveness, the, the Bible is pretty clear. Uh, and, and when it comes to forgiveness, it's so important. Um, it's so vital. I, I, you know, I did that Bible study on forgiveness, and we have that pamphlet on forgiveness. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons I teach that forgiveness is non-negotiable is because God commands it. He says, Jesus says, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. That's what Jesus said. So is God mad at me for not being able to forgive him yet? No. God's perspective, I believe, is compassion, like a dad. I think he has compassion on the pain that you're feeling and the hurt that you have. I think he's he's grieved over what this person did to you and how he hurt you and deeply wounded you. And I think he meets you where you are. And the reason you're even calling, the reason why you're talking about it, I think God is well pleased with you because you want to do the right thing and you're having a hard time with it. It's not like you're going around ruin. you know, I don't think God's mad at you, no. That's good to hear because it's been over two years. And and that guy's moved on and got out of your life. And who's the one still hurting? I am. And the one of the reasons why the pain is worse is because you won't you haven't forgive. forgiven him. Yeah, and now he's a party. Like once you forgive, it's an amazing spiritual thing that takes place, where you are literally released. Your your mind now. Now, the other thing that we also for, we also confuse with forgiveness is we think forgiveness is going to mean immediate healing, but it's not. I, I like to say it this way. Forgiveness is like a clap. You either do it or you don't, right? And I just clapped. That's, I clapped. I'm done. But mm-hmm. healing is a process. Yeah. And by living in unforgiveness, you've been hurting yourself. Take it from yeah. someone that has lived in unforgiveness. I... I was only hurting myself and the people closest to me uh, because I was so deeply wounded. I mean, I'm still pretty deeply wounded over the situation, but I'm yeah. so in love with God who loves me and cares for me, and he is sovereign over my life. And the people that are doing things and the people that are saying things, and the pe- like, that's, up, that's between them and the Lord. It's not, that's not my problem. My problem right. is to stay close to Jesus and let everyone do what they're going to do, but I've got... I've got a life to live. I have a family to raise. I have, I have people to serve. And we just, we let these things, especially deep wounds, man. I mean, pain is pain, and it stinks. I hate it. Yeah. Um, but one more thing is that um, okay. I know there's not really, like, advice for this, but the one thing that I can't get out of my head that he told me before he left is that he said, Annette, you're very lucky that you you got me because there are plenty of other men who wouldn't have done what I did. I They would have done much worse. So you're okay. lucky that you got me. Right. And I just can't get that out of my head and I was wondering if you maybe had any verses for me to look at or just something to maybe restore my faith in people. I can. Okay, so let's start with this. Okay, Annette, I'm 
I'm going to talk to you like you were my daughter, okay? Okay. Um, And if my daughter came to me with this same thing, this is what I would say. I don't want you to mention his name, but I want you to use the first letter of his name maybe and say out loud, you know, X, Y, Z, you're a liar, and I don't believe you. So just say it out loud. But what if I don't believe he's a liar? That's okay. Belief will come later. Let's just state the facts. Let's not worry about how much you believe it, how much you have, you're, you're convinced. Um, I haven't even met this guy, and he's a liar, and he's a jerk, and he hurt you. You don't want to meet and, him. And he's wrong. And, and, and the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so you're not lucky you met him. Uh, it's unfortunate that you met him. It's unfortunate that he hurt you that way. It was wrong. It was not allowed by, I mean, it was not approved by God. He was not sent by God. And, and there's a lot of other things I can say about this guy, but everything begins with, so, so here's the thing, okay? This is the path I'm leading you on, Annette. Mm-hmm. I know your feelings are overwhelming, and I know yeah. that you've had two years to convince yourself that what this guy said is true. And when you start hearing the truth, it's hard for you to believe the truth because your feelings are like screaming so loud and the truth is like a little whisper. And so you don't yeah. hear the truth because your feelings are all jacked up. So here's what happens. We get stuck in our feelings and then before you know it, we don't hear the truth anymore. And then here's how we get out of that. Here's how we get out of that. We don't, we don't immediately try to change your feelings because that's, that's like impossible. I can't. I can't even change your feelings right now. I can't say, okay, Annette, be a big girl and stop crying. How stupid that be? You, you're crying. You're hurt. So I can't touch your feelings, but I can touch your mind. And here's what I've learned. If we change our minds, God will change our hearts. And the way that your heart's going to be changed is by believing the truth. And the truth is this person lied to you, took advantage of you, hurt you, and did not demonstrate to you what a godly man and what a even a good moral man how he would treat a young lady like you yeah i i guess i think i don't really know well do you know that do you know where the church is what the address is yeah i don't live very far right so you know exactly where the building is do you know? Do you drive or do you walk? Um, my parents usually drive me. What color is your, your parents' car? Um, blue. Is it a Chevy? Is it a South Audi? What is it? It's an, uh, a Honda Pilot. Okay, so it's a Honda Pilot. What um, what color is your hair? Brown. What color is the sky? Blue. It's kind of silly that I got all these weird questions, huh? But I want to show you, you believe a lot of things. And you're very confident of them. And that's inside of you. You you have both the confidence and the belief that's needed to win this battle. Mm-hmm. And you go, but Ed, this is way more serious. I, I know it is. I know it's way more serious. But the same level of belief about all these little simple things. You believe that God is real. You believe that God loves you. 
You know what kind of car you you drive. You know where you live. You know where the church is. You know what color of your hair. Like all these things are just a simple reminder that I want to plant seeds in you, that that God is inside of you, and He's promised never to leave or forsake you. And now it's time to start living in the truth. That's what this phone call started. It's time to live in the truth. And every time this guy this guy's mind comes back to mind and he lies to you in your mind, you have to match it with the truth. And you can you can speak the truth even if you don't believe it, you know. Yeah, it's just hard. It is hard. You're right. It is super hard. But you are very valuable in the eyes of God. And you're very important and you will heal from this. And and you will get stronger because this phone call has started it. Now, have you involved your parents on this yet? Yeah, I mean, it happened a while ago, and I let my okay. parents know what happened. Um, we even got the police in on it, okay, but good. they didn't want to help. Okay, that sometimes happens. Yeah. Or do they know you're still struggling with it? Um, they see me crying a lot. Okay. Because God has put parents in our lives to help us walk through hard things. Right. Even if it's like, Mom, pray for me today because I'm feeling really bad. Or, you know, we can't, as parents, I'm a parent. I've raised three kids into adulthood. I, I don't have all the answers, but I can help comfort and I, I can help encourage uh, when, when, when I see my kids struggling. And so I know your parents would love to help you if you talk to them. Yeah, I've asked for help before, but I just think sometimes I just feel like I'm convincing myself that they also agree that, oh, it's been two years, you you really shouldn't be thinking about it anymore. Well, part of that's true, but you might take it to the, you know, you might take it to the, to the extreme, you know, some, like God wants to heal you so it doesn't control you anymore. That's true. Um but it'll be a part of your testimony the rest of your life. One day you're going to turn around and you're going to see the healing power of God. And one day you're going to turn around and you're going to be able to talk about this situation. Um, not not like you are now, but like in a more powerful way where you look back. And, you know, I was listening to the radio today and I heard I was heading to an appointment and it was our teaching, uh, something I taught years ago. It was about this time I, I was looking for a job and I was going to be a, I wanted to work for a fire department. It was going to be perfect for my little family. I was going to make all kinds of money and, and I would have it easy the rest of my life. And I didn't get the job because I have a past and, and I had committed a crime. I had stolen something. I had, I had a petty theft conviction on my record because I stole something when I was in high school. And, and the guy that was interviewing said, no, man, we don't hire thieves. But, but you know, I was saved back then. I was already saved. I'm not a thief anymore. God delivered me. But I mean, that little episode in my life crushed me. I was so fearful and anxious. I was angry. I'm like, man, how am I going to ever provide for my family? On and on and on. And if you would have told me back then that that, that job was not God's will for my life, I would, have, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, are you crazy? That's the best job I could ever get. Like that would, yeah. that would set me up for the rest of my life. But I didn't know. I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't know that that hurtful time in my life would actually turn around and go, oh, now I know why I didn't get that job. Now I see how God used it. And while yours is a little more painful than that, 
while yours is a little more hurtful from that, I promise you in Jesus Christ, one day you're going to look back and it's going to be a testimony. You're going to help another little girl, another young girl one day. You're going to help. God's going to use this painful time in your life. I know you don't see it right now, but you will. It's going to be used by God in the future. I assure you on the promises of God that he could do that. Pastor Ed, I actually do see it now. I've had many, many visions and dreams about it, but it's just hard to believe that I can be that person. I know. Things are hard right now, but they'll get better. So we're coming up on the end of the show. Let me pray for you, okay? Okay, thank then, you. And then next time you're in, you're in church, I'd like to meet you, and I could pray for you in person if, you, if you're okay with that. I'd love that, actually. Okay, introduce yourself. I'll be there this weekend. Introduce yourself so we could pray in person, okay? Okay, I'll be there. Thank you. Father, I pray for my sister Annette as she wrestles with this very difficult season in her life, and I pray that you would encourage her and that you would honor her courage and bravery for talking about this and being open and honest. And thank you, according to Psalm 103, uh, for your compassion toward her, for your love for her, and your, your strength to help heal her through this difficulty. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, thank Annette, you. you. Bye-bye. Hey, this is the end Bye. of today's broadcast. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you tonight. Uh, we're in the book of Daniel looking at how God can save anyone. And pray for Annette. There's many other wounded men and women just like her. And may God use us to encourage and lift them up. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.